Hey everybody, episode 63 of the R&R&R show is brought to you by Perk Coffee. Use the uh, special checkout code at perk.rotto.com to get 15% off your next order. And without any further ado, let's take it away. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And hello, Chris. How's it going, my friend? What's going on? What's new? It's going fantastically, Ruel. How are you today? I'm so thrilled to be here on the R&R&R show, sponsored by Perk Coffee, the delicious coffee, my favorite coffee company out there. I can say that legitimately. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> nice. Uh, friends, uh, thank you for joining us today here on YouTube. We are getting ready to do our Top 15 Most Disappointing Games of 2021. Now, you can check the show notes That's below true. for our previous show where we talked about the hidden gems of 21, 2021. We're going to be doing something different today. We're flipping the script, as they say. Um, you know, before we get going, though, I want to say that, uh, honestly, Perk Coffee, folks, for our sponsor, they had sent me a couple of things to try. These are instant coffees. Yeah. I'm not an instant coffee drinker. I am now, because this is delicious. I was really surprised, Chris, that this, I mean, it oh, yeah. captured, you know, what I like about coffee. It was the, the bold taste, and it tasted like a brewed cup of coffee. It's not like, you know, you just dump this in the hot water. It's like, eh, it's just flavored water. No, yeah. it, it's actually delicious, legit good. So, folks, be sure to use that Rotto code when you go to Perk Coffee, and uh, you can click the show notes below for that. But without further any further ado, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Chris is going to kick things off. And Chris, while we did the pre-show, folks, if you don't know, we yeah. record this live on Twitch every uh, every couple of Tuesdays. But during the pre-show, we talked about sort of our mythology as far as how we did this. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you approach this list uh, today, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like these lists because I think it's important to kind of talk about the games that... Uh, for, for some reason, didn't hit really well with you. Of course, as this always is, it was fun in the pre-show, uh, some people mentioned games that are on my personal top 20 as like their biggest disappointments. And now I know that I am also their biggest disappointment, but that's that's a <laughs> mental trauma to get through for another day. Um, the the idea of, uh, the, the idea of, of like things that, that potentially had really high expectations and, and were hyped up a bunch and then, you know, could have been just good, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it's important to talk about this as kind of like a counterpoint to hype as well. And so that's kind of how I approached my list. In a sense, there are a couple that I truly just did not enjoy. But for the most part, um, it, most of these are games where, like, I was actively excited to play. Except for my number three. I think number three is just, you know, bad and shouldn't exist. But <laughs> the other ones, uh, uh, ooh, you're going to stick around to number three now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but the other ones are, 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 are sort of all varying levels of that, like, I was here, and then I got to here. Or then I went to here, and then I went to here, right? Yeah. And the further the gap for me, then the further up on the list they are, personally. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah that, I, that's kind of how I how I structured mine. Yeah. Yeah, and I know um, you know again during the pre-show, folks, we, you can join us live every couple of Tuesday, every Tuesday on um, Twitch Tuesday here on the channel. Um, we I talked about how 
a lot of games on my list where, you know, I was hyped for them and they just didn't hit as much as I thought they would or should. Yeah. You know, I heard the hype or I bought into the hype and I looked at the rule book early enough or, you know, saw it in some previews. And when I actually got to the tabletop, it was not as not as good as I thought it would be. So um, and we'll yeah. be hearing about from Richard as well. Uh, but uh, why don't we jump right into it, Chris? You're going to start us off with our number 15 on the list. Yeah, and so number fifteen. Uh, the, this is one that I'm actually really excited to talk about, and it's it's a weird one because it was a weird mashup, and that disappointed me. And then how it got split up was disappointing me. I don't think this is a bad game. Actually, I think this is probably a great game. And in fact, uh, it's it's sort of a subset of a game that is in my top ten games of all time, which is why I was so thrilled for it. This oh. is Quest, the Avalon Big Box Edition. That's what it's called. Officially, it was released in 2021 as Quest, the Avalon Big Box Edition. And so now there's just Quest and Avalon has been ripped out of that and is the Avalon Big Box Edition. I think this was disappointing to me in a number of ways. One, I was super hyped, not disappointed at all, that Avalon was coming back with more content. I love Avalon. It is my favorite social deduction game of all time. It is in my top 10 games of all time. Avalon is incredible. It used to be called the Resistance Avalon. It's mm-hmm. it's just so good. I, I could talk about it for hours, but then it would be the whole episode. Uh, so when <laughs> I heard it was coming out, I was like, okay, so Avalon's just being rebranded as Quest. And that's not true because Quest is its own unique game. And so there was this weird rebranding that happened that I think was a detriment to both Quest and Avalon, and they should have just been separate. It's like they tried to combine them both with a new art style that's like a similar, the same art style, but these are two different games and are are kind of not compatible. And I think they actually mm. did it right with putting them them both into the main box. I, I wish that I had the option in the Avalon big box now for the, to play the quest game because it's basically the same game as Avalon. They're like, hey, uh, except it's worse um, because Avalon's <laughs> incredible. They, they were like, hey, uh, let's let's make the same game but different. It just it just was confusing, and I think that confusion really hurt them. And I think there's evidence of that confusion because now you can't get Quest the Avalon Big Box Edition. You can get Quest and you can get Avalon. Um, what's also a little disappointing to me about Quest is that I feel like Quest has replaced Avalon in that price point line. So Avalon mm. used to be around 20 bucks, and I think that's what Quest is right now. And so now the Avalon big box is around like 30 to 40 or, or whatever, which I'm still very happy to pay because I like the game so much. But I, I feel like it, it was best at that sort of $20 range. And I mm-hmm. feel like Quest has uh, now replaced it. Now that I've talked about all those intricacies. Let me give you like a brief little bit about the game. So, so I, again, so this isn't the whole show. Um, Avalon <laughs> or the Resistance is like, there's good team, bad team. You want to figure out who's bad. There you go. You're going on Quest. That's it. In Quest, the main difference between Quest and Avalon is that they removed the voting on the teams. And a lot of people are like, this is better. It streamlines it. It makes it faster. It just means one person gets to assign the team and then you vote either like 
secretly vote success or fail is is the quest going to succeed or fail but what i love about avalon is the voting system because that's what provides you actual information you see voting patterns you see what people are putting forward as their teams and if you can distill that information like that's the stuff that gives you the deduction aspect of it that helps you determine around the table who's good who's evil otherwise it's just kind of like a, a fest of like you're bad no i'm not yes you are and, and so i feel like you lose so much of what makes that game so great in the votes and, and that's and that's the actual information that gets distilled which is better than something like werewolf because werewolf is a lot of that you're bad no i'm not okay let's let's kill you right uh, the avalon gives you that concrete information and i think by removing it from quest you do make it a little bit quicker but you also it also lessens the experience of the game and mm. so it's not that like quest I think is still fine to play. They have some, in, they have some really interesting ways to mitigate it. Like you have a token where you give it to somebody and then they have to vote yes, which needs to exist in that new format. So you have some measure of control and some measure of like, yeah, I was bluffing, but it also like removes somebody's agency in the game. And if you are bad, then you're like, okay, well I had to vote yes. Yeah. And I kind of lose that, that sense of fun. So like there's some interesting things and some interesting roles, but just Avalon is, is so, so much better. And I, I just wish they had led with Avalon and I wish they hadn't tried to combine these two games and these two different, like it's the same art style. It's the same color on the box. I yeah. think it's just confusing for people. And I think it takes away attention from Avalon. And I think that's that's the mistake. So it's it's because you came from my darling Avalon quest. I mean, it's by the yeah. same designer. It's the, it's the same game just with a couple of tweaks, but it could yeah. have just been a module to Avalon. And I think that's where it should have stayed. Yeah. There's it, my it, number 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting choice the way they designed, uh, went, went with the game. And like you yeah. said, I, like I don't, I remember when it came out, but you know, these aren't really my type of games. So uh, social deduction, deduction, but you know, I'm I'm an omni gamer. I always give something a shot, but it seems to me it just it took out the core of what made the original so good, and it just I don't know what was. I, I mean, as you were talking, I was like, did they are they just trying to? I don't know. If, I don't want to sound so cynical. Are they just trying to cash in and like? rebrand and just try to you know i don't know uh, what, what do you think I, like, I don't i don't know i think i think like the intentions were great i think they were trying to launch quest as a new thing yeah. and they're like yeah let's throw in all the all the stuff for avalon because there was right. a bunch of little promos and and little things that hadn't been implemented into avalon it was just like i love i'm so happy it got all combined into one box mm -hmm. for people who want to get everything it was so easy for me to get everything i wanted everything absolutely yeah. wanted everything because i, I love it but I, I just think, so I think that initial almost like quest Avalon big box edition was the right way to go about it. And okay. I'm, I'm almost even more disappointed that it's been separated, but it's just, it's just like you didn't, I, I feel like they didn't need that new, new game, especially for like very minimal changes. I feel like yeah. it should have just been like a new way to play Avalon. And mm -hmm. then you could play it with both, like would have been a better, right. uh, keep the flagship of the game that's already working well and then tag on this new thing but I, right. so it was just it was just a it was just weird yeah. uh, i like i love indie board and cards absolutely love the love the game think everybody should if you like social deduction avalon is 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 my favorite out of the mall for sure yeah. because of the actual information that you get it, it's mm -hmm. it's not there's more deduction that can happen in avalon 
than I think any other social deduction game that's that's okay. out there personally. Cool. Um, so yeah okay yeah. well great choice for number 15 chris i mean you were a hardcore fan and you were disappointed uh by what they did hard, hard, hardcore fan hardcore yeah. fan played hundreds <laughs> of games that long. yeah like, seriously it's so good but it's good to know all right let's move on to our number 14 on the list folks uh this is not a social deduction game on my list um but it's one of my <laughs> favorite um themes and mechanisms in games and it's i love abstract games that you know tie in some kind of theme and I especially like nature-themed games. And so for our number 14 on the list, this was a disappointment. And again, this is a game that I had seen previously and I was hyped about it. And it, well, it's a good game. It just didn't live up to the hype. And that was why our number 14 is Umbra Via. Uh, Umbra Via, this okay. is a uh, from our friends uh, Monique and Naveen over on Before We Play. We're looking at their playthrough. Uh, it's an abstract game, uh, but it's... It uh, combines elements of bidding and set collection, and what you're trying to do is get rid of these uh, soul flowers or whatever they're called. And, you know, I remember seeing this and I was like, you know, for a nature game, it was like really dark, just the, the board and stuff. Like, I don't know the design. I, I don't know. It, I think of nature, I want to be outside. And this, just the way you're building it, it seems really dark to me. But that's just a very minor quibble. And Again, I don't think it's a bad game, but for me, it the couple times I played it, it fell flat ultimately um, at two players. Now, I should back it up by saying I think this game definitely plays better at three and four, but for something that you know has to stay on my shelf, it's going to have to uh, play well at two because Michelle and I, she's my main gaming partner, and most of the games we play are at two. And she loves nature-themed games just as much as I do. So uh, things like Wingspan say are a collection because it plays well at two. Uh, other nature games, uh, other games out there will stay. But this one ultimately didn't, unfortunately, where you're trying to bid on these things. And at the same time, you're trying to line them up on the little, uh, it's a little path that you're going here. Um, you line them up and then whoever has the most uncertain, it's area control as well. You're going to you know, pop those into behind your screen. Um, and then you're going to use those to bid uh, in uh, future rounds. Um, I don't know. It, it just, I think the biggest thing for me was it just ultimately fell flat. Like I, we were doing things. It was fun. Um, I, again, it's not a badly designed game, but I just felt like ultimately, you know, there's other games I'd rather pull out first, um, uh, before Umbra, uh, Umbra Via. So that's why it's our number 14. Uh, just a disappointing one for me. Um, again, I'm not going to say it's a terrible game or a bad game, but it just, it, ultimately left our collection. So that's our number 14, Umbravia. Um, Chris, were you able to play this one? No, I haven't played it. I thought it looked cool. Uh, mm. I think, I think honestly, I think to call it a nature game feels like a bit of a stretch. It feels like, it felt like an yeah. abstract game to me, but yeah. again, I didn't, I didn't play, but that's just from my like tertiary looks. And that's probably why it didn't, uh, I yeah. think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like even like the that box is, cover looked really yeah. cool. It had all these like vines and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then when you open it up, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it is abstracty, and maybe that's what it was. It was just the abstract. There wasn't enough theme to like really uh, gra grab me and bring me there. I yeah. mean, I can play a totally abstract game. Like I love like stuff like Quarto, which is just you know wooden blocks, and you just you know line them up. That's fine. But yeah. oh, ultimately, I wanted more theme uh, for this. So you know, I think of our friends uh, yeah. Amy and Maggie, Thinker Themer. They're also contributors here on the channel. You know, I think. I want some theme to go with my mechanisms, and this uh, to me it just it didn't tie up uh, tie in well. But anyways, that's our number yeah. fourteen. Let's move on uh, to our number uh, thirteen. We're gonna have uh, Richard join us. 
Uh, Richard, uh, take it away. Okay, everybody. I have no idea what Christian will have come up with so far, but I'm going to begin my heartbreaking tour with number 13 on the list, Neko Harbor the Card Game. And oh my gosh, here's the deal, folks. I actually got a chance to play this first as a four-player game at uh, BGGCon, the Board Game Geek Convention uh, that happens in Texas. Played it with a very nice group of folks, and we all agreed it was surprisingly fantastic. The rule book left a little be desired, I have to admit, but this is such a brilliant engine-building game all about running tours in the Antarctic. I was blown away by it, and I could not wait to get a copy of it and get home and play with my wife, Jen, because I had every um, expectation it was going to make my top 10 games of 2021. It's that good at four players. But then I did get a copy and got to play it too, and oh my gosh, it, it almost feels like every single thing the developers could have done to make it weaker as a two-player game, they did. And I have, actually, if you go check out my original run-through, I think in the final thoughts, I have a comment where I list, hey, if these five things were done as a house variant, I think this could have still been in the top 10 games of the year because it would have brought more variety for two-player, it would have dealt with scaling a little bit better, and I would have been much, much happier. So yeah, this was a huge disappointment for me. This is one I thought was going to stay on my shelf for years and uh, that we would revisit until I found that the two-player implementation of number 13, Neko Harbor the Card Game, was just, I'll just say ill-considered and leave it at that. Broke my heart. Very disappointed and otherwise a phenomenal engine builder. If you have a higher player count and you like engine builders, I highly recommend it. But if you're two-player, Anyway, uh, let's see what the guys have next. So he wasn't really a fan, uh, or I wasn't really interested after hearing his comments on um, on, the, on the game. So, I don't know. Did, did, were you able to play this one, uh, Chris? No, I, I didn't. I It sounds so familiar to me. I was like, did, wasn't this on our hidden gems from last last, <laughs> last time we did one of these? I don't know if Kimberly put it on like her maybe her honorable mentions or something. But I think I think if if you that's that's why I think player count is is so important, right? I think yeah. uh, going on BGG or something like that, which says optimal player count, and like trying to play it at that player count too. I know I have a couple of games that I'm I've got in the in the can to review and like the designers have been like hey for your first play please play it at four i was like all right i'll play it at four like like that'll give you your best experience and i'm like that's great feedback that's great feedback to know and like that's something that you need to know walking in right like if you only play with two people then this isn't a game for you but if you have that uh yeah that expansive group well then it's one that you could pick up and try and play yeah so that's uh yeah Yeah. I, i haven't i haven't uh i haven't played played it yeah, I, and you know, I, I was yeah. really, you know, uh, again, I love engine building, I love tableau building, I, I'm really interested in it. But um, just based on Richard's comments, you know, as he said, you know, player counts a huge thing, especially, you know, I, I know that when Michelle and I play games, those games that aren't going to fit for two, they're they're leaving the shelf just like that. So yeah, bummer about yeah. that one. Let's move on as we continue our top fifteen most disappointing games. Uh, back to you, Chris. Oh, it's me. Right. Yeah. Uh, so our number 12. Now, <clears throat> this is a caveat. I think this is a game that I, I will grow to quite enjoy. I don't own a copy of it. A friend owns a copy of it. I've only played it once. Uh, and I and I think it's because I played the tutorial version. And I, I got to stop doing this to myself. 
because <laughs> I I don't like when I play the tutorial versions of games. I know this, and so there's a bunch of things that happened which made uh, which made this game also stand out. But I think it's I, I wanted to put it on the list not because it's a bad game at all, but because it was almost universally everybody's number one game of 2021. And okay. so when when that happens, I feel like your expectations are through the roof, you know? And so if yeah. it doesn't hit that through the roof expectations, I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. Like it still ends up being a disappointment because, which is a, a weird, wild thing to say, uh, but because it was just pretty good. Uh, and so that's um, mind management is is our number 12. Oh, okay. Uh, My, yeah, I, I, I huge hit. It's a huge hit. It's an absolutely huge hit. And I think there's, I think this is, a, this is a, a pretty good game, but the first, and I think it's because I played the tutorial I've only pl- and I've only played it once. I love the different powers, et cetera. I, I think if you're on a team, it's a team game, it's one versus all, uh, mm-hmm. it's hidden movement. One person is controlling the, the psychics, well, the, the, the person running who's hidden and the other people mm-hmm. are controlling psychics trying to find that person who's hidden. And, and the, the ways you get clues feel interesting to me. But it was just, it was one of those things where we just got steamrolled by the psychic because our, our team wasn't really up to snuff, you know? And, and I really like that in this game, there's a, there's a shift system. So if you find the, the, the hidden movement person, I keep saying the psychic, but it's actually the psychics who are trying to find that person. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hidden movement person, the one, if, you, if, if one person keeps winning, one side keeps winning, there's a shift system to like give advantages and balance it out as you keep on playing. And you're unlocking these different modules as you keep playing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the concept of it. I really like having to search the board and find the different clues that are on there. Um, you know, the psychic wants to gather up like three of these different types of symbols. And Mm -hmm. so if you can guess what symbols they're going for, you can kind of predict their path. That's also really exciting. But I think, ah, don't just don't play the basic game. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't do it. If you're into board gaming, just don't do it. (laughs) You can, you can handle the complexity that comes with it and you'll enjoy it more. You know, it's one of those things that like, because because it was somebody else's game and I played it that once and I didn't it didn't blow me away and it didn't become my number one game of all time after that one play yeah I think in my head okay yeah never need to add it to my shelf and and play it again I think and I think and that is that idea that internal idea is disappointing to me that I'm disappointed in myself which is you know what I usually am but this is time it's for board game reasons uh but that's that the this is the feeling right because i think it's it's quite a f- interesting exciting game and it's one that i want to give another shot but it's one yeah. that i kind of forget about because of that first play right and so i think that's the that's the trap that we can potentially fall into of like this game is amazing this game's so good and then uh and then it just ends up being good yeah and i think good is great is is good yeah. right yeah, but but for me it was just it was just good. It wasn't number, and I was expecting number one. I think if I didn't have those expectations, I think I would be like, okay, there's like interesting things here, and I and I'd be more inclined to come back to it. It's a weird yeah. sort of way of looking at it, but but that's that's why I wanted to bring this one up. Not that I think I think this is this is a good game. I think many people really really love it, but yeah. it's that like intense love 
that I didn't immediately feel because I because of a number of circumstances that uh, I think is just something to be to be wary of, and that's kind right. of why I, why yeah. I wanted to put it on the list. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you did because this is a game that I really want to play, and I've heard universally nothing but good things. But right, it's I I've never heard that um, what you said, and this is I think this is a very important thing is to not focus on that tutorial mode and you know jump right yeah. into the game because. I mean, I understand why publishers do that. And I think I think it's great that they do that for you know newer players or for whatever. Sure. But yeah. at the same time, you know, by doing that, you're really limiting what you're showing in the game. And for I don't know, for veteran gamers like yourself and and me and uh, a lot of people watching yeah. on the channel here, you know, it may sort of taint you know your view of the game if you're just getting the very basics and not you know giving it its its letting it stretch so to speak. You know, uh, you know, stretch yeah. its legs a, a little. So. Um, I will yeah. when I eventually. I know I'm going to eventually play this. I know uh, friends that just rave about it. I'll make sure it's like you yeah. know what. Don't play. Let's not play the tutorial mode. Just let's just jump right into it, and I'll, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Go go full full head first into it, and I think yeah. you'll have a good time for sure. Nice. Yeah. Will do. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so we're going to move on now. Um, let me make uh, sure that the video stuff works on my end because this doesn't always work, but we're moving on to number 11, folks. Uh, this is a game I was super pumped about because I love, love, love the IP. Uh, the IP is Alien, uh, Aliens, and all the other Alien movies, you know, uh, Ripley and all that, but it was, it, when I eventually played it, it didn't live up to the hype. Uh, Alien, Fate of the Nostro Nostromo. Uh, Nostro I don't even mm. know if I'm saying it right, but we're going to get to the game right here. Uh, I got to play this with the uh, Dice Tower uh, last year or the year before. Uh, they had me out there. I played with uh, Tom, or no, uh, Z and uh, Mike Delisio and Stephen Bonacore. And as you can see there, it's got all the alien stuff. It's got Ripley, it's got Bishop, yeah. it's got all the cool characters. It's a cooperative game. You are battling aliens and whatnot, and it's fine. It's a good game, but there's nothing here, and this is why it disappointed me. There was nothing in the game that was like fresh or new. It just seemed really straightforward, which is fine. Um, and I think the reason why it disappointed me was uh, because I think it's a Robinsberger game, and they've done some really good stuff with their IPs, stuff like uh, the Princess Bride uh, uh, book game and uh, some of the other IPs they have. Again, these are all um, more like Gateway Gateway Plus maybe games, and I think they're fine, but, oh, Alien, for whatever reason, it just didn't... Uh, when I want an Alien game, Chris, I want one of two things. I either want Alien, the first one, or Aliens, the second one. So the first one, I want really <laughs> tense, scary moments that, you know, those, those moments where you're just, oh, are we going to be able to do this? Or I want Aliens 2, where it's nothing but a, you know, James Cameron, you know, action fest. One or the other. And unfortunately, I didn't get that sense. Again, talking about theme, I didn't get that sense in this game at any point. I mean, it was fine. Uh, we hit on all the, the points of the game and so forth, um, you know, of, of the uh, story. I mean, there are aliens. You're trying to, um, you know, there's like some pickup deliver to this. You're trying to get items at certain points and trying to, you know, battle the aliens. But ultimately, it just, again, it's another game that fell flat uh, for me. And that's why it's our number 11, Alien, um, Failing the Stromble. I will say this. Designer Scott Rogers, the original designer, he put out... So he, um, according to him, and uh, people have talked about this on BGG, the rules of the game changed from his original set of rules. So that's what we played. We played at, uh, from the box, just what it was. But apparently, 
and everyone universally agrees on BGG, if you play Scott's original rules, it's supposed to be a way better game. And I'm like, why did they change it? I, I don't know why they changed it. And I don't know what, what's different about the game. But I will play this game, even though it was a disappointing game to me. I will play it again based on his original rule set. Uh, so that's uh, our number 11, folks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Any? Well, do you play this game, or do you like aliens, yeah, I, or are they I, I scary? You? I haven't played it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was, they're too scary. Nah, not <laughs> interested. <laughs> too scary. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. I haven't. I haven't played it. I, I. The only thing I know about this game is that if you take off the lid, isn't there like uh, just a big picture of a cat? Isn't that this game? Is there? I mean, that would be perfect. I, <laughs> I think. I, I think. I heard that I from a alien basic. game that there was just like a just a sheet of paper. It was just the picture of a cat. I was like, well, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> that would so be that, awesome. That, that got me interested in it, but uh, oh, yeah, I haven't. I haven't played it now. Cool. Yeah. Um, again, I, I'll, I'll give it another shot based on the designer's original rules, but I'm definitely uh, the way that game uh, went. I mean, it was fine. It just it wasn't as what I wanted, but which is fine. But hey. Let's move on to number 10. Richard's got it for us. Take us away, Richard. Okay, everybody. Number 10 on the list is Merchant's Cove, which is so painful for me to talk about. But actually, I got to play this in prototype form when it was uh, crowdfunding back in 2019, I think. And at the time, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant market economic simulation, kind of lightweight. And the beautiful thing was every player is a different kind of merchant working in the same market. And the merchant you are determines what type of game you play, whether it's a roll and ride or a dice manipulation game or an adventuring game. So much variety in the best possible way. And all the different mini games that you could play in this incredibly asymmetric game worked really nicely. And so I was in love with it until we actually got to the end of a round when we resolve what uh, customers will actually buy from which merchants after we make all our wares. Because the market simulation portion of this game is incredibly cutthroat. One of the most cutthroat I have seen in a long time. And I just don't understand why it needs to be that way. I guess the developers overcompensated since when everybody's playing their own little minigame, they're really siloed in their own little world that, hey, when we get out to the main board, let's go overboard on the uh, player interaction. Because in this game, you I can work you over so hard. What you have spent the last 20, 30 minutes of your life trying to achieve, I could then do a couple of very simple things and ruin all of it. And as a two-player game, that happens a lot because of the zero-sum nature of two-player. Maybe at higher player counts, it's not so bad. Maybe it's not quite so cutthroat. But Jen and I were both 
heartbroken, crestfallen, when we saw just how much we are incentivized to be incredibly mean to each other in the central binding market simulation, which, uh, again, broke my heart and disappointed me greatly. I had hoped when 2021 came around and the final game was there, maybe, maybe my cries would not have fallen on deaf ears and the uh, developers would have come up with, you know, I'm not saying they had to redesign the game, but maybe a more Care Bear-friendly alternative mode where we are not just sticking knives into each other's back every chance we get would have been a possibility. But it was not. Uh, the game was as mean-spirited as ever once you, um, you know, everybody comes together on the main board to fight over control over the, uh, the, the, the customers that show up for our wares. And that's what disappointed me, folks, that uh, as much as I loved everything else about this game, we couldn't keep it. And so it actually ended up going to the uh, Dice Tower West Convention Library, where hopefully somebody will get to play it somewhere down the road. But um, yeah... Again, uh, for me and Jen, hugely disappointing. Number 10 on the list, Merchant's Cove. Well, I'm not going to lie. I sort of want to play this now. <laughs> now I want to play it more. Yeah, yeah now I want to like, play it more. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's certain groups of friends of mine that gamers that I'm okay. We're okay stabbing each other in the back and trying to get stuff. So. Yeah. I know it doesn't work for Richard and Jen. Um, it probably wouldn't work for me. Well, actually, Michelle and I might play it, but I know there's specific, specific friends of mine, like, we would be all over this. Um, we have not played it, but I, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I've, I thought Merchant Cove looked good, and now I'm more interested in it because of that. Because, you know, being, you know, the nicest guy in board gaming, I love mean games. That's right. There he is, folks. <laughs> Speaking of the nicest guy, Chris, why don't we move on to our number nine on the list? Oh yeah, this is not going to be me being nice at all because this is just this is this is the worst one. This is the uh -oh. worst one on the list. Oh, but no. it's number three because it's 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 just like it it was pretty transparent what it was, uh, mm -hmm. and that's a, just a cash grab from an IP, oh. uh, and it's uh, Orlog the dice game from Assassin's Creed Valhalla turned oh. into uh, a game. See, so it, it was basically a mini game. I haven't played the physical version. I've played the video game. And that's It's better than this. It's, uh, it's a mini, it's, it's a physical version of the video game version mini game. You know, in video games where you get those, to, when you want to stop hacking down people or doing quests, you got to, you got to get, you got to do something to break up the monotony and you go into a tavern and you throw some dice or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. And in that aspect, it works very well. It works It works very well in terms of like, oh, yeah, we're just going to check some dice. You're going to have either like uh, arrows or axes, which do damage. And then you're going to have helms or shields, which protect against damage. And then you're going to have, if they're they're surrounded by gold rings or whatever, you get god power points. And you can use one of three god powers that you've picked at the beginning of the game out of 20 and all the god powers are is they're like hey i deal more damage or i defend against more damage that's basically all they are it's mm -hmm. so you're rolling dice you get to re-roll up to three times very standard yahtzee whatever the fact that this turned into a game makes me very disappointed and it's because it like the video game dealt with any of the little fiddly nature, so you you don't have that. So you have a little bit fiddly bits of dealing, getting your god powers, whatever. 
and they just didn't do anything else with it. And for me, like I think this is a, an awesome opportunity when when you're when you've got such like a great IP and you're turning something into into a game, you can you have a you have a chance here. You have a chance to like really get people hooked. Uh, but instead, what was produced was something that like I feel I would find, you know, those sorts of trinkets that you can get souvenirs this is like a souvenir game mm. you know if you visited yeah. if you visited disney world and you're like i'm bringing home this this mickey mouse toy like <laughs> you you have it to remind yourself of the good times that you had it's not going to like provide you with additional good times i think that's exactly what this does in yeah. addition the price was so stupid and this is what really oh. this is where i really get offended like I'm fine with it existing as a dice game. Sure, it's a quick dice game. Who cares? There's there was this one dice game that came out. It's called Dice Fights, and all you do is you roll dice. There are attack dice, defense dice, <laughs> um, money dice. Doesn't matter. You, you you can use your money dice get more dice. So eventually you're you're rolling a bunch of dice. Even the box of the dice. You buy that and you roll the box dice, and it's worth twenty. It's like stupid mm-hmm. fun dice chucking. Amazing. Love dice chucking. But the but just the fact that like they were charging like. $50 or something ridiculous oh. plus shipping for this very basic like cheap plastic cup that you oh. can get and then you can go even further you can get it you can get the wooden one beautiful wooden with like a mm. viking horn for $200 they're really like this feels it felt like a cash grab capitalizing on the trend that everybody will just purchase anything on Kickstarter and people mm-hmm. did it raised over a million dollars Canadian and then now there's reports as well because I was looking through and I was like oh yeah Orlog I'm like do we even put this on the list it feels like I'm taking shots at like something that people aren't going to be interested in but I yeah. wanted to like call it out because now there's also a bunch of reports of people getting that like $200 thing and having the quality be worse than what the base game would have been. Oh, like that that's whoa. that's you look on BGG and that's what people are like people are throwing ratings down they're like listen like I finally got it not the quality that I was promised like mm. so people who were investing in this potentially really cool collector's edition also just got screwed over because they the production quality wasn't there mm. and it it did not it did not deliver on the promise that it made so like mechanically yeah. fine don't care play what you want it's better as a video game because it's quicker as a video game and it's not something you're ever going to like pull out on a game night you know what i mean it's not even mm. it's not even good yeah. enough to be a filler i don't think uh wow. personally but but then you then you you couple that with like preying upon people's excitement and then and then just like making a product that doesn't deliver on that it, it just felt like such a cash grab to me yeah. from the moment that it was created and it's still I'm sad. I'm disappointed that I was right in that the quality yeah. is not w- w- good at all. That these people who were excited and like you, you spent mm-hmm. your money on whatever, I don't care. Like, but you, if people were excited about this thing to have like this cool Viking horn to sit on the shelf, totally <laughs> yeah. understand that feeling. But then, then also not delivering on that promise. And when you're like your cheap version that is also st- so expensive isn't good enough. Yeah, no, it's yeah, just that's a, it's just. Oh. That's it's, it's only here. number yeah. three. It's only number three because like I didn't have expectations for it. You okay. know, if I yeah, had yeah. any expectations for it, it like probably would be number one. But I I knew it was going to be bad, yeah. and it was bad. But I'm still disappointed that it <laughs> even existed, and that so many people bought into this like objectively bad thing that doesn't further the hobby and push it forward. You know, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Well, like tell I us think, how you really I feel, Chris. Turn people. <laughs> yeah. Nicest guy in board gaming. You should hear what everybody else is saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's certainly something that hasn't that's happened before, and I'm sure it'll happen again. You know, cash grabs and you know, just pe- taking advantage of people. It's sad to say that it's going to happen again. Yeah. So. Thanks for looking out for us, Chris, and, you know, calling it out. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're welcome. Altruistic, yeah. that's me. Yeah. Let's move on to our number eight. Uh, this one sort of ties back into um, what you're talking about, mind management, as far as, like, it had nothing but universal acclaim. And this is going to be the game I picked uh, that didn't that disappointed me. Uh, this is our number eight. It's Golem. Uh I mean, everyone loved no, this game. I'm, yeah, I want to try it. I'm so excited I, to try it. I, it was a it was a good game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. You know, it, it wasn't like a bad game, but ultimately, it wasn't for me. Now, this is from the designers of uh, Grand Austria Hotel, uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Mm-hmm. I love Lorenzo. I think it's a brilliant game. Yeah, there's you can see things here. It's got the worker placement thing uh, going on. It's got different a uh, bunch of different tracks to get resources and knowledge. Um, it's, you know, based on, um, I think it's like 16th century, um, lore or uh, legends or whatever about, you know, uh, these statues that come alive and you have them go do your bidding or whatever. Um, and ultimately you're, you're going up tracks and, uh, exchanging resources for other resources. Um, but I, you know, I, maybe cause I kept, um, you know, try, in my mind, I kept thinking it was going to be the next coming of Lorenzo and it just wasn't, I didn't think right. like it flowed as well. And instead of dice, they do this thing, interest, interesting thing where they have almost like a potion explosion type thing where they have marbles coming out of this the dispenser. Marbles, yeah. yeah, and that's what you're going to um, grab your actions from. And I thought that's that's unique, but honestly, I'd rather just give me dice and let me manipulate them and, you know, we'll go on the tracks and do the things. Um, and I just remember, so I played this one the first time I played, uh, again, with the dice tower, they had me out. I remember the setup for this game took forever. Like, I don't remember Lorenzo ever taking this long. And I was like, to me, that's a huge turnoff, honestly. Like, I understand heavier, more complex games, they can take a while to set up. But, I mean, this was a, a, a complex game. It was a, uh, probably on the heavy medium medium side, but it just felt like it took forever. So that was like strike one. Then just, I, it just didn't flow as well uh, to me. I mean, you know, there was like, at least for me personally, there was some stumbling points as far as learning the game. Um, but... I know why. I mean, it, it's you know, it's from those uh, that design trio of um, Italian designers that do all the dice games. I, I I know why it was a hit. People love those designers, but ultimately, Go- Golem folks for me just uh, again fell flat. It didn't reach the expectations like I expected to be the number one game of the year, and it was a game. It was fine, but uh, that's why it's our number eight on most disappointing games. Uh, Chris, you wanted to play this, right? I do. I still do. I yeah. I uh, I feel like. I feel like that that's also an interesting trap, though, of uh, designers that you like, right? It, yep. it, just because a designer that you like has and you like their games, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to love every single one of their titles. And just going in Agreed. blind or not necessarily blind, even even informed, um, this might happen for me later on later on my on on the list for me mm-hmm. uh, is it, it, it's it's something where where it, it that's where the disappointment comes from because you have those mm-hmm. expectations like i want to play it because of lorenzo and because of grand austria hotel yeah because i'm such a big fan of both of those games that's why i was like i'm like yeah i don't care what this is it's the <laughs> same design team 
it looks like a crunchy euro. Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So totally, totally see where, when it, when it doesn't hit, that's, that's where that disappointment factor comes in. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, shoot, I I love everything else. I want, I want to love this as much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally see where you're coming from. And I was thinking too, you know, as, as you're going through your thoughts there, um, and I started thinking about when I, you know, the last time I played it after the dice tower, um, run through, I played and I, I started getting more of the engine building part of it, uh, sort of figured that out, but it felt like I, I finally got my engine and then just the game ended. I was like, Oh, I want at least one more round, mm. you know, like, you know, engine builders, yeah. you get to that point, like, give me at least one round to get everything I want, but maybe it's on me. Maybe it could be me. Maybe I just didn't, you know, suss it out. Right. And maybe it just, you know, it might've been a failure on my part, but anyways, you just yeah. gotta get good, Ruel. That's what that's it is. that's what it comes down to, Chris. I just suck at games. I need to uh, do better. <laughs> Nicest guy in board game, folks. Uh, there he is, right there. Speaking of nice guys, let's see what Richard's got oh, for us uh, for our number seven game. Okay, everybody. Number seven on my list of heartbreak and woe is Imperium. Either classics or legends. Uh, take your pick. Uh, it's this game. In case you hadn't heard of it, this. Could have been in my top 25 games of all time, quite frankly. I am hard-pressed to think of a better design for a modern card game. I mean, this beats, um, you know, Race for the Galaxy. This beats Ray's Arcana. This beats, um, you know, I mean, this beats Glory to Rome. The core gameplay of this civilization-building game put into card format is so amazingly good. Just absolutely best of class. It's never going to get any better. Uh, you know, plus great art from the Miko. I always love that. But oh my gosh, uh, it was so fantastic. And uh, the thing is, uh, depending on which version you get, the game comes with a bunch of different, um, you know, classical or sometimes fantastical civilizations that we can lead to prosperity at the expense of each other. Uh, because while it's hard, this is a deck building game. There are several, in fact, almost all of the uh, different civilizations you can choose from range from slightly jerkish to absolute quite frankly, in just how much you can steal from each other and smash each other's stuff. And I so wish it wasn't there because it didn't need to be. In fact, solo gameplay is fantastic. I love it. I love it so much. I almost kept this solely to play it as a solo game, which is not something I ever do. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like, uh, the previous one I talked about back, what was it? Number 13, right? Uh, Merchant's Cove. Brilliant gameplay with just overloaded, with completely needless player screwage, absolutely ruined what could have, I think, easily made my top 25 games of all time and was probably could have been uh, in the running for my game of the year in 2021. But considering that they just wanted us to stick a knife in... It becomes one of the ultimate disappointments for me. Number seven on the list, Imperium. Classics or Legends? <laughs> I know we were both laughing at that beep. I mean, just hearing the beep. <laughs> hey, we're the nicest guys in board gaming. What do we say? <laughs> and because of that beep, I want to play this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, like some of the other games on this list, I've heard nothing but universal acclaim uh, for this one, and I mm-hmm. think it looks cool. So I'm looking forward to trying. Have you been able to play this one, uh, Chris? 
No, I haven't, but it's been on my radar because of the design team. Uh, yep. David Turksey is half of the design team, and I just, like, I love Anachrony. I, mm-hmm. I think that that also might be why the solo mode uh, feels so felt so good to Richard too, because he's, he's kind of known for designing solo modes as well. Yep. Uh, and then Ni- Nigel Buckle is the other, is the other half of the, of the team who I don't know too, too much about, but I remember seeing on some like Facebook groups, some like really interesting designer discussions about this game too, talking about how they, how they were putting it together uh, during, during when it was, when it was coming out that it, it made it seem really interesting to me. So definitely on my radar and it yeah. haven't, hasn't been deterred yet. <laughs> yeah. And just knowing that Turchi is involved with the solo mode, I mean, you already got my interest peaked right there. It's like, I'm, I'm yeah, definitely going to try this. Sure. So cool. Um, all right. We were getting close to uh, the very top of the list here. We're going on our number six. And Chris, it's all up number to six. you, my friend. Yes. All right. I'm not going to talk too long about this one, but it's again, it's, it's a, it's a result of loving the designer. Absolutely loving the designer. This comes from my favorite designer of all time. Uh, and this is one that I knew I would go all in for the moment it was announced that it was occurring. It was like, it's, I never do this. I'm very frugal. I never back things all in. And this was one where I was like, yes, I'm getting everything because I'm guaranteed to love this game. I read through the rule book. I thought, yes, every part about this game feels cool and interesting. And I trust the designers, my favorite designer ever. Uh, this game is by Eric Lang. Is the third in the trilogy, and this is Ankh. What? Just really? Oh, did not, wow! Did not hit with me. I, I'm it shocked. Didn't hit with me. I'm shocked because we just did a hidden gems, <clears throat> or was it hidden gems, where you talked about Rising yeah. Sun, right? Or was it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh! I love Ri- Rising Sun. Is my number one game of all time. Like, it, oh. it, it's my number one game of all time uh blood rage is is up there as well it made my blood rage made my top 20 Uh so obviously the third in this trilogy series i feel like it would be hard pressed to find somebody more excited than i was for this game uh like just my but that's the problem right my expectations were through the roof Mm -hmm. and well i think there's a few problems uh that didn't hit with me is that i feel like there's a bit of a runaway leader problem here uh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a huge skill skill gap. If somebody knows the game and somebody doesn't, that person's ever winning. Like just never, yeah. not, not not in a million years. There's no way to mitigate it. The person's going to go out from the gate, make a few moves, and if you don't do the right things to counter it, you're done. You're just done. And so it's it's like a it's a real race to the finish style game that mm-hmm. it just I I got rid of I I got rid of because I was like I have everything. It's on my shelf. I played it like eight or nine times, desperately trying to find the joy in it. And that's the problem is because the first game I played was amazing. It was so good. It was Mm -hmm. so fun. Me and my buddy, Zach, we looked at each other. It was a two-player. We looked at each other and we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to blow me out of the water. And then we played it a few more times. And then every time we kept playing it, I just saw more and more things where I was like, Oh, that's how this is working. Oh, this is how this is working. It's what well, my main, I, I have a whole review about it, but like my, my main part that I dislike is that there's one God power you can get that feels like you need to get it. And then when somebody gets it, it basically acts as like a timer for the game. And I understand why it exists. Mm-hmm. I understand why it's in there. You keep, you're putting the, you're pushing the pace. It's a race game, but 
the fact that it like does exist as a timer and it, it just is so hard to claw back from there. The runaway leader problem just feels so significant. Mm. And I, I liked the prototype rule book better than the, what actually came out as well. I remember oh, significant really? changes in the, in the prototype on Kickstarter um the some of the actions were different some of the powers were different and the one thing that was that was really different is that they nerfed the merge god they nerfed it in production because because two gods the two people who were were last they merged together and so they need to be powerful in order to try to have a chance to come back and i think that they were too powerful clearly they were too powerful in testing that's why they nerfed it but it used to be each person got to take two actions on their turn and so you basically get double the turns in order to try to come back. And like that to mm. me feels exciting. It feels like, oh yeah, I kind of want to be Merge God or Merge God isn't a detriment. And yeah. then they they changed it so that the Merge Gods, you only get one action on your turn. And not only does it limit the Merge God's power, it just doesn't feel good around the table to just have one action while everybody's, well, everybody's playing too. It, 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 uh, it really deflates the energy around yeah. the table or it did with my games any games that i played over too and so yeah it just uh it was sad to it was sad to leave i made a whole insert for it i never do that before playing a game but i was wow. like oh, i'm keeping this forever i'm gonna spend the two three days designing and building this insert yeah. uh to to get everything in one box because i know i want to take it everywhere i know i do because yeah. it's amazing it's eric lang it's the third of the trilogy <laughs> yeah just uh. it just didn't hit Oh, that's a yeah. bummer. Could yeah. have been my number one. Really could have been my number one. Yeah, yeah. So maybe should have been my number one from like expectation to honestly, yeah. it should have been it probably should have been my number one. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm saying it out loud. Like biggest disappointment. <laughs> I was the most disappointed. There it is. Um, so you would say this yeah. is like the return of the Jedi and Rising Sun would be your Empire Strikes <laughs> Back, Blood Rage would be your Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Right. Except I love the Ewoks. So, you know, I love Return of the Jedi. I'm, I'm also odd in that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I haven't gotten around to playing this. Um, and I, I know it was a, a lot of people talked about Rough Beth, the, the whole merge thing. Like, you know, when, like, that just seems so weird to me. But I want to try it just because it is Eric Lang. I'm a huge fan of his games. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. It just, just hearing you talk about, about your experience with it. You know, I'd probably go in there too because I love Eric Lang. Uh, Blood Rage, one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite games. Uh, Rising Sun, also excellent. It didn't, it didn't surpass Blood Rage in my estimation. But again, I know how much you love yeah. it. But knowing that that you're a huge fan, I'm sort of bummed out to hear that Ankh is up there um, I, on the list. I, I can't. I would love to recommend it. Yeah. I can't. I can't recommend it. I would Understood. love to. I would love nothing more than to, but yeah. I, I just can't. Yeah. It it happens, folks. That's what happens sometimes. Um, all right. So there it is. Number six. Now we're gonna go on to the top five. I've got number five. And uh this is a game I was looking forward to because I've enjoyed the entire series. And um I'm just gonna say it right now. Number five is Seven Wonders Architects. Um, I love Seven Wonders. I love I think Seven Wonders Duel is a masterpiece. Um, but Seven Wonders Architects, I was fired up for it because um, I understood that, uh, from what I understood, it was going to be a slimmed down, streamlined edition, uh, edition of the original game. So I figured, hey, this will be great for two players and, and new players. And I still think it holds water as far as like introducing Seven Wonders to a group of new new gamers. But if you're going to play a two-player, because I heard this played well at two players, uh, in my experience, after a couple of games, I didn't think it did it at all. I much prefer mm. Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, but what I think Seven Wonders Architects does really well is 
capture the feel of Seven Wonders uh, without having to dive into all the different things that make, in my opinion, Seven Wonders great. Uh, the different types of uh, items that you're going to score. Um, you know, you have your science, you have your military. Uh, that's all it, they have it here, but you're actually just trying to really build your wonder. And it is cool, like you're gonna like, um, this is Kimberly's uh, video, folks, Tabletop Tolson, also a member here of the channel. You you can see, you could physically see the, the wonders being built. There's a pyramid and statue and so forth, which is really neat. Um, and it still takes, cool. it still keeps the drafting in it. You're drafting from your neighbors or, you know, you either take from this pile or this pile left or right. And you can use those, and it's super streamlined. Um, you know, you get resources that's going to help you uh, build the um, uh, wonders. And then the game, it goes by really quickly, and I liked it, but it just, uh, just having played all the, uh, the other editions, uh, the original game, the original game with all the different expansions, and then Seven Wonders Duel, Seven Wonders Duel with the expansions, this one had uh, just... For someone that's played it, uh, the, all the other games a lot, I just didn't. Um, it just didn't hit with me. Um, I could see this uh, a case being made for hey, if you're gonna uh, you know do uh, play one of these games with new players and bring this one out. Honestly, I would still stick with Seven Wonders the original. Just if you don't feel like explaining the science rules, then maybe go with uh, Seven Wonders Architects. But as far as uh, gameplay yeah. and uh, everything's concerned. A fine game, but not the best. Uh, it's just uh, wasn't for me and uh, my my buddies that played it. I played it with uh, again. We we enjoyed it, but we quickly moved on. That's why it's our number five on the list: Seven Wonders Architects. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't first? played this one because I heard okay. it was uh, an easier version of Seven Wonders, and I'm like, well, Seven Wonders is already fairly like it's a it's, yeah. it's a it's kind of a gateway game. It was it was a bit tricky for me to pick up. Yeah, when I first went into the hobby. It was like one of the first three or four games that I added to my collection. And I was like, "What is yeah. the heck the deal with these science <laughs> rules?" <And I laughs> yeah, it's actually like a, a really a really valuable point of you saying that. Like, I, oh, if you don't want to worry about science, I was like, <laughs> back in the day, I really didn't want to worry about science, and like yeah. science remains. It's just it's just clunky to explain to like new players and like new to the hobby yeah. players, right? It really um, is, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seven Wonders, just the regular one, is, is good. And you, you know what's actually great about the Seven Wonders? If you have, let me uh, let me get this. Uh, I got rid of Seven Wonders, and then oh. I had to get it back because uh, I, I got it back because I, I'm. It's part of the World Series of Board Gaming, and I was you know running a tournament for them and, and doing some work with it. Uh, and they also are using the Leaders expansion, but I fit all of Seven Wonders and Leaders what? into the Leaders box. No way, you really? This. Oh wow! All nine boards go in here, and this nice. honestly makes me love Seven Wonders because this is the size of box that I want it to be. That's yeah, perfect. I have all nine boards from the leaders in here, and uh -huh. I have uh, I you know what I took out? I took out some of the tokens, but you don't need that much money anyway. Yep. You know, so awesome. I made a sacrifice, and if we run out of money tokens, I'm okay with that because, yeah. and I need a little bit. I need an elastic here because there is a bit of <laughs> there is a bit of lid lift, but yeah, I'm yeah. so. I'm very happy to have Seven Wonders on my shelf when it takes up this space on my shelf versus like that. the actual big box size. Like, so thrilled to have it, That's... and we'll probably get it to the table more because yeah. I can be like, yeah, I'll just slip it in, slip it in the bag, heading over. Like, it fills in that fills in that gap. So if you that have the brilliant. leaders, or if you haven't gotten leaders, 
Leaders is also a good expansion for it. Very easy to implement. Amazing, um, Chris. Yeah, that yeah, is that, brilliant. I, I wanted to show that off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, now I want to do that to my game as well. I don't yeah. have the Leaders expansion. I think you just talked me into buying the Leaders expansion oh, just for get the original. It. Yeah, nice. just get it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our number four. We've got Richard on board. What do you got for us, Richard? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, folks, let's talk about number four, Sobek, two players. Oh my gosh, so heartbreaking. Now, I was not pulled in by designer Bruno Cathala. I've played enough of his games to know that his designs are always brilliant, but he almost always, for no good reason at all, throws in some kind of backstabbery. And I went in expecting I wasn't going to like that, although I was shocked, quite frankly, because the backstabbery is definitely there, but the design is smart enough to recognize that, oh, if you're a player who does not want to stab each other in the back in what is a nice, bright, colorful set, collection game set in ancient Egypt, you can use the attack tokens to instead uh, go into your set collection. So I thought that was actually really nice. And so I'm thinking, hey, this is going to work for me. And what I was really excited about with this game, folks, is his co-designer, uh, Sebastian, um, oh, Sebastian Ponchon, I think. Sorry, Sebastian, I do not know how to pronounce your name. Most folks might know Sebastian as the designer of Jaipur, one of the greatest two-player couples games of all time. Uh, one of Jen's absolute favorites, and I think it's amazing too. Whenever Sebastian does something, I want to be there. And if he's going to team up with um, Bruno Cathala, yeah. Uh, uh, you know. And so I went in thinking, all right, I appreciate that the, uh, the cutthroatedness can be undercut because you can always just sell off the attack tiles rather than attacking each other. Nice uh, variety. A good step for Mr. Bruno Cathala. Well done. Keep it up, sir. But what I was shocked by, and I didn't realize going in, is just how incredibly luck-swingy this game is. This game has an absolutely brilliant drafting method for how you're going to get more and more tiles for your set collection. Basically, whenever one player moves a token around to grab new tiles, that determines what tiles their opponent has access to. And it's sharp and fun and brilliant. Here's the deal, though. There's two tiles types of tiles in the market. Face-up commodities that you're trying to do set collection, and then face-down special characters. And you won't know what those special characters are until you just go and just, you know, uh, take a stab at it and say, okay, I'll just grab that special character and let's see what I get. And here's the problem. Not all special characters are created equal. Some are significantly more powerful than others. But they are all laid out on the board face down. And that creates such an incredible luck swing in this game. If you find the queen, you're a step up above me. And I do not understand why one of two things could have happened. Hey, you know what? Make sure they're all equally powerful. So, And that they're all pretty much useful in any circumstance. You can get royally 
easily um, done over by bad luck in this game. Or your opponent can just get crazy, get the perfect tile for them, and it's just luck of the draw because they're all face down. To be surprising, I suppose. Now, what should have happened is, hey, when the board is set up, put all those characters face up too. So it becomes part of the strategy. If you have some characters that are implicitly better than others, and I have to make a move that could give you access to these super powerful characters, if I know I'm doing it, that puts me in a really tough pickle, in a quandary over what kind of compromises I'm willing to make. And I think the game would suddenly become fantastic. But as it is, without that, with the in our experience, my wife's in my experience, and I also played it with some folks at the uh, uh, Dice Tower West convention too, uh, which characters you get can really swing the game, and it's just pure luck of the draw, and it shouldn't be. And with a little tweak, I could see Sobek, uh, two players, ranking very high for me. But as it was, I was disappointed. Not for the reasons I thought. I went in expecting to not like one thing, but was surprised there. But then, something that could have been easily fixed pretty much ruined the game for me and Jen, and we ended up getting rid of it. Which is why Sobek, two-player, comes in as the uh, number four most disappointing game. Oh, it breaks my heart. Wow. Um, I... I thought Sobek was uh, a good game. I I enjoyed it, the two-player uh, game. Um, I do like yeah. Rudolph Cathala. And yeah, you have your copy there. I, I, got, will ag- I got my copy right here. Yeah, I, I will agree that, um, you know, just not having the player powers available, like being able to see them, it does change things up a little bit. One thing I do like about it that I think was a really cool thing was just the way you refill everything. You're doing that little spiral pattern on the board. Um, Cathala took that and put it into Splendor Duel. And Splendor Duel is one of my favorite games of last oh. year, folks. I Yeah, he used the exact same mechanism in another game, and I thought it was great. So I if I had to pick between Sobek and Splendor Duel, definitely Splendor Duel. But um, I didn't think uh, this one was bad at all. So, yeah, you have your copy still, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I, I haven't played Sl- Splendor Duel yet, but uh, I've heard it. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. I I liked Sobek. I I think Sobek is like solidly good. It did exactly what what I wanted it to do in mm-hmm. that King Domino style scoring. That's what I really like about it. Yeah. Is that sort of set collection that you're doing. I'm awful at this game. I'm really bad <laughs> because I always think I'm setting up my opponent, and I'm like, haha, you can't, you yep. can't. Neither of these options work for you. Ha ha ha. And then they just. There's this thing where you can take anything along the line that I consistently forget about, forget to like implement it to my strategy. And they're just like, oh, yeah, but you've actually just put me in the perfect position to take that one thing. And all I need to do is take one negative point to do it. I was like, oh, no, my plans are foiled again. So it's just like it's that that's sort of like large decision space that that I find interesting and also frustrating and, and tricky. I don't find the character powers to be that on balance personally. I'm like, I I feel like the, if you're, if you're prioritizing getting the character powers, you're not prioritizing getting the sets. And when you get a set and like actually play the set, you get those, those tokens on the side, which you get to look at all five of them and take Mm -hmm. whichever one you want. That, that feels more powerful than a, than a character power to me. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, I I think it's a good game. It like, it got, it's, I don't know the longevity of of it in my collection, but for now, it's interesting. I like it as like a little bit more tactical King Domino, so right? Th- that's where it's kind of sitting sitting for me. You know what is disappointing? The title. 
Sobek <laughs> two players. I hate saying it. Like I yeah. honestly, I I hate talking about it because I have to say Sobek. <laughs> it's not even called Sobek for two. It's Sobek yeah. two players. It's just like the oh, just the most disgusting title I've ever heard. Right. Like you couldn't do Sobek Duel? Come on, folks. Come on. Can, yeah, Sobek Duel exists yeah. so much better. Sobek <laughs> two players. Like, what what are you doing? Who decided that? That's the biggest disappointment here. There That's it is, why it should be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of disappointments, we got three left. Uh Chris, take it away with number three, friend. All right. Number three uh is a game that I really, really did not end up liking. And a lot of people like it. This is one that was it had to be my number one because of how much I I dislike it and kind of actively dislike it. I really don't think there's a game here. I think there's a structure for people to make a game if they want to, uh, mm-hmm. light candles and dim the lights, and then look at spooky things that are outside of the game and not the actual game. Uh, this is the Night Cage. It's it it just. There's no game here, or, or at least not one that's interesting to me personally. It's a cooperative uh, tile laying game, but most of your tiles are going to just be roads. And so you're like, hey, what do I have this time? Oh, I got another road. Wow, I'm going to put it in front of me and step onto the tile and then have the roads behind me disappear so that uh, next time I can turn around and walk backwards. And you know what I'm going to find? Another road. You're looking for like four keys and then you're looking for mm-hmm. four exits. Oh, there's four exit like tiles, I think, in the game. And mm-hmm. when you when you when all players you you control four people every time. So when all players have their keys, you have to all make your way to the same exit, and that's how you get out. And there's monsters in there in which you when you flip them over, they'll deal damage to you and they'll turn your light out. Uh, and if your light's out and they deal damage to you, then they take tiles off the top of the stack. And so guess what? You can take away the gates on the top of the stack. And uh-oh, that's what you better be aware of. Because if you lose all your gates, then there's no way out. Or you lose all your options to get keys, then there's no way out. But it just feels it just feels so random and pointless. It, mm-hmm. it, it really does. It and like I I I'd heard such great things about it. And people talk about this game so highly. And so I was like really expecting an actual game with actual interesting decisions in there. And for me, there there really weren't any and and so and then a lot and so i looked further and a lot of people are like oh but if you light candles and then you blow out your own candle when you get hit like it's really cool i'm like yeah that is really cool that's not part of the game that's just like what you've (laughs) done to make this game fun and like great that you've been able to make it fun i think that's awesome i think people should make their games fun and that in that environment, yeah. you want to get deep into the theme. You want to create that environment. The art is really beautiful on it. Like the yeah. production quality is actually really beautiful on it too. Really solid tiles. I think it's a good price point for like the actual components that you get. Mm-hmm. But I I just don't think it's interesting whatsoever as a cooperative experience or as a solo experience. Or if this was one that I was that I was like, I gotta play it more times because to do my due diligence as a reviewer before I put yeah. a review out. I just, I just hate, I just didn't want to. I like yeah. actively <laughs> didn't want to. And I made myself do it. I was like, maybe I'm missing something. Could I be missing something with these modules? Could I be missing something with this? I wasn't, I wasn't oh, missing wow. anything. I, you know what I was yeah. missing? I was missing the time back that, <laughs> I, that I took playing it again when I knew I didn't like it. Um, um, it's it's just yeah it, it was it was a real big disappointment for me because the theme is so cool the artwork is so good yeah. like the, yeah. the all the all the things around it were cool 
but this is one where I I I, I didn't read the rule book before I before I, I got it. I, I got a review copy of Origins and uh, I was like, yeah. yeah, I've heard such great things. So excited to get it. It was probably number one that I was excited to play from like the the Origins Hall that I brought back. Yeah. back. Yeah. And then it, and then it was just you know just such such a such a letdown really oh what a bummer our number three the night cage which is funny because i actually like this game uh and for the reason it's funny because uh for uh i it's like one of my halloween go-tos now and yeah but i realized absolutely see that yeah yeah, and but what i i think i agree with you chris in the fact that the the decisions that you make weren't as interesting to me on further plays you know, the first time I was like, okay, this is really uh, unique. We're like, we're actually taking tiles off in a tile laying game. I was like, I thought, oh, okay, that's really different. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's really straightforward and it is very, it's more about theme than mechanisms in this game for sure. Um, now we don't go hardcore. We don't do the whole candle lighting thing or whatnot. But I think there is that sense of when you're playing the game, if you know, you're into it, uh, when you're in the moment, it, it does give you a little sense of, uh, I don't know, like almost like claustrophobia where you know you can't you can't yeah. see anything ahead of you you're trying to figure out things but ultimately in the end yeah they're it's they're not complicated decisions you're okay which way are you going to do the road how are we going to get this key back to the portal or whatever now there's a monster what are we going to do about them um so I would agree it's definitely on the lighter side of things but I think the theme for me carries the game um I'm not going to try yeah. to pretend it's like the most complex game in the world and but it is what it is. Uh, theme, yay. Mechanisms, meh. Uh, but that's our number three, the Night Cage, folks. Um, let's move on um, to. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, it is my turn. It's uh, here's another disappointing game story. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to number two. So we have the Night Cage. This is a total opposite of the Night Cage. Uh, this is an abstract game, very colorful. It's based on a classic video game. It is Tetris, the board game, and. I was super hyped about this because Michelle and I love Tetris. Tetris, I mean, Michelle plays it all the time, and we love anything with polyominoes, and we love games by Phil Walker-Harding, praise be, uh, one of our favorite designers, and unfortunately, this one, I don't know what happened to this game, to tell you the truth. It has all the cool components. I mean, literally, you are dropping in the um, little pieces into the Tetris uh, board here, but... Oh man, and you're just trying to do little um, the little uh, achievements on the cards. But here's the thing, Chris. Buffalo Games, they do wonderful games. Um, in fact, I have another one by them called Planted, which I really enjoy by Phil Walker Harding. But this one, every single time we play this game, I mean, I don't know who, uh, I think it's ZD. he did this video. Every time we played this game, we had problems with the components. We would drop one in, it would just stick in the middle of the board. And every single time we had Real. to, you know, top, uh, hit the top of it, and oh it was so frustrating and it should have been a much better game than it was and then on top of that after you're done it's like really hard to get the pieces out of the components so the components really did this in and i was so bummed about it because we really wanted tetris i mean we love tetris and we wanted the official board game to be what we expected it to be but it wasn't nearly as good as it should have been the components were terrible and I don't know if I should say terrible. They are plastic. They're, they were nice, but they just didn't work um, right at any point when we played it. We played it a grand total, I think, three times. We we enjoyed the concept of it, but 
after three times it, it just we just donated to someone um someone else it was such a letdown um we've talked about on this channel before richard and i talk about ahiel or rail however you want to pronounce it from Pan panasaurus games that does a much better job of recreating tetris than the actual tetris mm -hmm. game did and oh it was such a bummer and also for those of you who are colorblind like me the red green this is brutal we i could never tell anything apart oh, and yeah. you'll notice here on the board there are like little colors there if you match up colors you're gonna get bonus points i could never tell what was matched up and neither could michelle right and oh such a letdown it was my biggest disappoint yeah. disappointment of 2021 tetris the board game never i mean didn't even hear about it uh yeah. i like tetris a lot i don't think i would have liked that that yeah, yeah. That sounded great yeah it was it was such a letdown it, it was like one of those things that showed up at target for like a couple of weeks and it was just gone um unfortunately but anyways Let's go on to Richard. He's got our number one most disappointing game of 2021. Take it away, Richard. Hey, everybody. Before we get to number one, Ruel, I would just like to suggest you think nice, calming thoughts. Think, think of pug puppies or something like that. So hopefully that will help you get through the number one most disappointing uh, game of 2021, which happens to be Millie Fiore from designer Reiner Knizia. Oh my gosh. First of all, let me just say a uh, shout out. Thank you to the channel Cardboard Minute. They had a very, very nice playthrough video that goes really quick. Does a very good job of showing off the game and how pretty it is. Oh, this game is so pretty. And I just watched a bit of their video to try and get a sense for, do I still feel the way I did all those years ago back in 2021? And the answer is yes, yes, I do. Because I went in full of hope with this game because it's from Reiner Knizia. His designs are always worth checking out. And it's about uh, glass artisans in the Renaissance era. So I knew my wife was going to love it. And I am so pretty with all the clear... Um, they, they're not glass. They're plastic pieces that you use to um, make mark progress on a board in a very Gonshon clever-esque way. This definitely feels like a game that you know is borrows inspiration from the way that you get really fun combo chains and all of that. But you're not doing a roll and write. Instead, you're marking your progress and you're playing a... Um, Oh, what do you call it? A uh, card drafting game. You know, everybody picks one card, plays it, hands the rest to their neighbor, all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the core gameplay is smooth, but here's my story of woe. I played this at Board Game Geek Convention with Jason Levine, the gaming machine of the Dice Tower. And after he and I were done playing a two-player game of it, we both looked at each other and said, yeah, it's not very good, is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, and we were both really let down um, because zero work was done with this game to try to make it work well for two. No thought, it seems, at all. And this is a game so overflowing with uh, situations where players create opportunities for each other, you know, and inadvertently sometimes block each other and all that. But um, the thing is, he and I both got together again the following day and played it as a four-player game with Scott Alden, the head geek, a uh, board game geek, and a friend of Scott's. And we all agreed, wow, this game is amazing! And then that's when I got pissed off. Because I want to share this game with my wife. I want to enjoy it as a two-player game. And there's no reason that this could not have been tweaked and adjusted to be every just uh, every every bit as interesting and compelling at two as it is at four. Tighten up the board, do stuff like players control multiple, you know, two colors and use their weaker score. There's lots of ways this could be done. Some of them inspired by Kanitia himself, and yet nothing was done. And so when you play this as a two-player game, it is an 
arid, boring wasteland of a of a board that will never fill up and players who will never interact other than in the draft. And it didn't have to be that way. I went to Board Game Geek's forums to see if maybe the developers had actually posted somewhere, hey, here's an official two-player variant. And nope, they haven't because it's a four-player game as far as they're concerned, and they shouldn't have put two on the box. But I'll tell you, a lot of folks are coming up with all kinds of different ways. There's like a half a dozen different really good um, suggestions for how to make this game. Even Spielbox themselves, which is probably the most highly regarded board game magazine in the world, gave suggestions for how to turn it into a decent two-player game because the developers themselves could not be bothered to do the work. And yeah... I mean, this goes beyond frustration, beyond disappointment into frustration, into anger, because it didn't have to be this way. And I expect better these days. Um, the two-player gaming experience should not be an afterthought. This game could have been great. I mean, one of the greatest card drafting games of all time is from uh, Feld. Notre Dame is a great uh, two-player draft. This could have been. There's so many ways it could have gone. The Spielbox suggestions, I thought, sounded very good, but I want the publisher to do the work they should do, not have the audience do all the work to turn this into what it should have been if you go out and buy this game. Stay away from it as a two-player game is all I'm saying. It should say three-player minimum on the box. And as it is, I got to say, folks, I'm a little disappointed. It's certainly my number one biggest disappointment of 2021. Millifiori. Oh, right here in my heart. I love, love, love Kinesi games. I have not played Millifiori. It's actually here on my, uh, my shelf, folks. You can see I've got it ready to play. I went through the rule book. I've watched a couple of videos. It looks like my jam, but at the same time, I've heard those same complaints about the two-player um, yeah. uh, variant or two-player game. It's not supposed to be any good, and that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, but again, Kinesius—he's got like seven hundred thousand games. Like he's not gonna—it's not gonna be a big hit every single one. There's a bunch of duds in his repertoire <laughs> too, but I'm still gonna play it. Uh, Chris, have you played this one? I know we're both Kinesius fans. No, well, yeah, we are, but I haven't played this one either. No. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I mean, just, just play it a four then, Roel. Don't play <laughs> it a two. That's exactly. It. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Uh, folks, thanks again for hanging out with us today. This has been the top 15 most disappointing games of 2021. We want to know what you were disappointed by in 2021. Drop them mm-hmm. in the comments below. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. And uh, be sure to check out Perk Coffee. Use that Rotto code for 15% off your next order. And until next time, so long, see you, and bye-bye. <laughs>